Hey everyone, it's John Otterstead, Bobby Darren, back again, episode 14, Scarlet Nation podcast. Today we're going to be talking about Ohio State for a little bit. We'll be talking about commits, decommits, and breaking down the quarterback position. For those of you who are listening who are part of our premium community over on the roundtable at scarletnation.com, I set up some questions asking about every position, and you were so kind as to offer some great feedback. But after seeing just the overwhelming amount of feedback, we decided just to focus on the quarterback position today, maybe a little bit of offensive line too. And don't worry, your comments, questions, everything were greatly appreciated. And we'll come back to them, hopefully, either on the message board or on another episode of the Scarlet Nation podcast. So anyway, Bobby, thank you for joining me today. Thank you. Uh, let's just, I know people want to put Ohio State in the rearview mirror, so I don't want to really harp on it too much, but 56 nothing. you didn't expect Rutgers to win, but any surprises either positive, positively or negatively? Well, I, you know, you look at it from last year when Rutgers played Ohio State, and, and even can compare it to Michigan, they, they weren't beaten as badly. I mean, you can look at the score and say, well, it doesn't reflect it in it, but, you know, they had some opportunities. Injuries are decimating them. Uh, quarterback play hurts. You know, and, and last week you're playing the game without your two starting safeties for the better part of it. You're playing without your best cornerback. You're playing without your best wide receiver. So Rutgers doesn't really have the room to, to – make up for those handicaps against a team like Ohio State. So I, I think I wasn't surprised with it. Um, I, I thought that, you know, maybe a couple things would click and they would keep it a little more competitive early on. But uh, you just see the talent gap there. And, and it's so big right now that, that, you know, that's a hurdle down the road to overcome. You know what? I'm going to end it right there because I don't think I could take much from that game. And I don't want to think about it. I want to move on. Rutgers still has a lot of ball to play this year. A big thing fans were talking about this week was recruiting. Unfortunately, I guess it was a mixed bag. There was uh, recently a commit from a quarterback in the 2019 class, which was exciting for a lot of fans. There were two decommitments. I'm going to start off with a comment that LCAP13, one of our users at ScarletNation.com, had in our Ask the Staff thread on the roundtable. And um, you commented on it there, but I'd like to get your live commentary on it right here. So here's what he said. Did the staff do a good job managing recruits' expectations for this year? And do you believe they'll be able to keep the bulk of the class together, even though what could be a one or two win season? You know, I, I think a lot of that's going to be answered through the next seven weeks. I, I think the staff did set everybody up to say, look, this is going to be a rebuilding process and we need you to rebuild. Uh, they have to continually sell that vision. Now, if the next seven games are just dreadful, uh, you know, it could impact some recruits, especially when they have other teams in their ears, you know, coaches uh, negatively recruiting Rutgers and, and they're 16, 17, 18 year old kids. They're very impressionable. So you have to keep that in mind as well. But Ash sold his vision from the beginning. And I'm convinced that the last two years he wanted to get his class in place before the start of the season, because I think he knew deep down it, it was probably going to be a rough go of it. So he needed to kind of communicate that vision early and say, look, some of this might get ugly this year. I'm just forewarning you. And I think he's done a decent job with that. Now, um, will that amount to any more decommitments? It really depends on how the rest of the season goes, how well the staff really keeps up on these kids, because during a season like that, you have to still recruit them as though they weren't committed, as though they were still on the open market, because as you see, it's a free-for-all with these coaches. 
coaches. You know, they're going to go after kids, especially if they have good senior seasons. So um, I, I think there's still some there's still some waiting and watching to do uh, in terms of decommitments, whether they will all st- stay in place. And I think the early signing period really helps Rutgers here as well, especially with some early enrollments. Uh, guys just don't have the time to continue the recruiting process. You know, I thought if there was going to be some decommitments, I thought it would come after that Eastern Michigan game because that was the one who we all had circled as a win this year. I'm surprised it came after Ohio State because although I didn't expect a 56 nothing loss, I think just about everyone in the country knew that Rutgers wasn't going to fare too well there. Are you surprised that it came after this game? Well, you know, you have to look at both decommitments. Uh, one is E.J. Turner from Georgia, um, which I, I never really saw the value of recruiting that state because it seemed like they exerted a whole lot of effort for a whole little return. Um, that one, you know, it's not in your backyard. You really don't know him. He's at a top program in Cartersville. I can see that happening. The other decommit with Sean Chambers, it, it didn't seem like Rutgers was rushing to him to say, please stay, please stay, uh, with the Zamar Wise commitment. Uh, uh, Arthur Sikowski visiting, uh, Jonathan Lewis being the future, Jalen Chapman being on campus for an official visit. So I, I don't think that one was just out of the blue. Hey, Rutgers lost. I want to decommit. And there's very few spots left. So those spots are really valued by the staff, uh, you know, as this recruiting season wears on. Now, Ch- Chambers is now committed to Wyoming. So it wasn't one of those cases where he was moving on up to bigger and better things right. in the world of college football. And and coaches And I know understand. I guess he was a guy previous you know, he was a guy previously who I think you said you weren't too high on. Yeah, and, and he was a second guy, a quarterback, you know, two guys in a class, you need it for depth. And he he was a guy that they weren't you know, he wasn't – nobody was beating down the doors in, in the Power Five to, to throw him an offer. So it, it's not even a lateral step. It's a step down. So usually when that happens, there's some more underlying factors. Guys don't usually go from a school in the Big Ten down to uh, Wyoming or they in a Mountain West out there, I, I believe, um, or one of those conferences. <laughs> to tell you the truth, I don't follow Wyoming football too well. So, um, you know, it, it was almost like, hey, I really didn't want to do this, but I kind of had to, you know. What kind of loss is Turner? You know, again, Turner's a guy that's not in the backyard here, so I haven't had a chance to see him in person. Uh, looks like a very solid player. He plays on a Carterville's team that just dominates everybody, so doesn't have the big numbers. But, you know, definitely looks the part. I, I'm not going to say, oh, he's a four-star guy that's a tremendous loss, but it, it looked like even at worst he would have provided some depth at the wide receiver position. So uh, don't expect the staff to, to just sit back and, and, and not try and go out and grab another receiver. So I, I think you'll see some names pop up in the future. And, uh, you know, they have a decent amount of receivers, so it's not one of those positions that's of dire concern. Right. Um I, do you see them now with the commitment of Zamar Weiss for next year? I know that's a, a big one for them. Do you see Rutgers going for another quarterback in this class? I know it's pretty late to find one, but if they find somebody who fits their scheme, do you think they'll pick them up? I think it, there would have to be a few factors involved. Uh, like I said, there's only a few amount of spots left. So it would have to be somebody worth their while, and, and, so, and it would have to be at the point where they're not going to get a few guys that they already want. They're not going to go out and grab a commitment now, unless it's an Arthur Sikowski type. Uh, you know, it's you're not just going to grab a guy to grab him at the quarterback position with Chapman coming in in, in the spring. 
Uh, you have Jonathan Lewis. You know, whatever happens with Geo, if Geo leaves, I, I could see them going out and getting a dra- grad transfer just for depth purposes, uh, kind of a la Zach Allen. But uh, I don't really – if I had to bet money on it, I don't think you'd see another quarterback in this class. Well, you mentioned Satowski. And I, I mean, obviously he's a player, a uh, four-star guy who you'd have to take if you had the opportunity. But, I mean, from what I've seen, he's has a beautiful, beautiful arm, but is not a guy who is going to run the ball, at least from the times that I've seen him play. And Rutgers seems to be going in that direction with Jonathan Lewis – and perhaps even, you know, Zamar Wise, I believe he's classified as a pro-style quarterback, but he definitely has some wheels. And it just seems like it's, like it's what we were talking about in a previous podcast where you can't quite tell where Rutgers, you know, offensive coordinator is going with his quarterback recruiting. How, how do you see that playing out? Yeah, it's weird, you know, and it was like that when they were recruiting quarterbacks in the last class. A co- an offer would go out to a strictly dual threat guy, and then next day it would go out to a pro style guy. And I think that's reflective of Jerry Kill just kind of working with what he has. And I think it'll be a case where, all right, let's take the most talented player and play him and fit the offense around him. But I've never been a believer that Sitkowski was going to come to Rutgers. Now, if he did. Um, and then came in and tried to win the spot, they would tailor the offense to him if he did win it. But, you know, when you got guys like Samar Wise, uh, Jalen Chapman, uh, Jonathan Lewis, you, you have a different dimension in that they can really run the football. And when you bring in a pro-style guy, as Rutgers France have seen year in and year out, you have to rely on a guy with pinpoint accuracy, and that just hasn't happened. So I, I really think it's to Rutgers' advantage to bring in a guy who can hurt you with your with his legs as well because it just adds another dimension to the offense. In, in the past, like I said, we've seen guys just struggle with accuracy trying to fit balls in tight windows and the result has been a you know its share of defeats yeah i'd take sakowski because from when i saw him on a uh, combine field he was just unbelievable and in this era right now where there are so many dual threat quarterbacks out there i mean i i laugh when i go to the camps and combines now because whereas there used to be about 10 guys out there now there's 30 of them and of those 30, 25 of them are fashioning themselves to be dual threat guys. Sikowski was just far and away blowing everyone away. It was it was like he was schooling them. And at the time, he was a year younger. And I bring it up because he was on the same field as Jonathan Lewis that day. And you really can't compare them because, once again, Jonathan Lewis has his feet. He can move. He can get out of trouble. But when you compare the arm strength – or actually pr- – not even the arm strike, it's really the accuracy of the two of them. There really is no, there's no comparison. I know that's something with the Jonathan Lewis is struggling with this year. Rutgers is bringing him on slowly because I don't think they have that confidence in his accuracy. Um, man, if you could take both of them, turn out one quarterback out of the two, you'd have something special. Yeah, you know, but I'm not as much on the Sikowski bandwagon. The first time I saw him was at a camp, and he hadn't even started a high school game, and he already had a couple offers, which I, I can see why they look at the size. And as you said, in combines, it's it's a totally different ball game. You know? Oh, man, he throws a nice ball. Yeah, but, you know, when you get when you get punched in the face and hit in the face and, and guys are coming at you, it's a whole different ball game. So Jonathan Lewis was more prepared playing at St. Peter's Prep. I know 
know, Sikowski went down to IMG, but, you know, his previous tenure at Old Bridge, it, it really wasn't the same kind of preparation that Lewis had. And I think Lewis's progression over the course of his senior year is something that really uh, that you really have to consider because, you know, he went from being a decent quarterback to what I thought in, in the final game of his senior season to a really good quarterback. And, and I think when you have that capability, you know, your ceiling is even higher. Yeah, we're going to come back to Lewis in a little bit because you made some good comments on the message board this week that I really want to flesh out. But before we do that, let's get to Zamar Wise, 2019 quarterback at a Barringer High School. What does this commit mean to Rutgers? Not only getting a, a quality player like Zamar with some really big time potential, but also getting him so early. Yeah, getting a quarterback of that caliber this early, it, it's big. Uh, it, it erases the need to have to go out and recruit a quarterback. You get an in-state quarterback, a kid with a lot of talent, and, and just a tremendous upside. W- when he gets into a college program, too, uh, talk about him being a runner. He's just going to fill out, and, and and he should be an impressive kid from a physical standpoint um, running the football, and, and that'll just help him. I, I think getting started early will help him as well, uh, you know, working in the offseason and getting to come up to practice and, and, and sit in on meetings and, and learn the system. And I, I just think it's tremendous upside. I think it was a great get for Rutgers. Getting a quarterback, like I said, um, that early, it, it kind of helps start to solidify your class because that's the central piece everybody wants to look at. Who's your quarterback? Who's your quarterback in this class? And when you have a prominent one, it, it just makes recruiting a whole lot easier. Well, let's dig deeper into the quarterback position. I mentioned at the outset of the of our talk today that I'd put a feelers out on the message board. I, I set up a number of threads asking people to comment on each of the major position groups. And our goal at the time was to go through all of them on this podcast, but we're not going to have time to do that today. So we'll spread it out over time. So today's focus is the quarterback position. And I want to open it up by pointing out a comment made by a user named Randall Seven. Uh, He pointed out that the football IQ at the quarterback position seems to be better this year than it's been in the recent years, namely under Chris Laviano. Would you agree with him? Yeah, I could definitely see that. I mean, you have also you have uh, Gio, who's been in the system, has played. You have Zach Allen, who's a very good student of the game. He's not playing, but you know he he's definitely has the knowledge. Kyle Bolin is a very smart quarterback, and then you have Jonathan Lewis, a guy who was doing film study with AJ Blazik to or Blazik. I'm sorry, I'm so used to saying Ryan Blazik for what he played here. Um, uh, studying protections and, and and just trying to learn every little aspect about the position. So I definitely think you've seen a, an IQ ray, uh, upgrade significantly. Well, let me throw a question out at you. We established that Bolin is a smart guy. He has been, I guess you'd say successful already at the division one level at Louisville, albeit with a better cast around him. Why do you think he's been struggling thus far to get the ball across the field and into the end zone? I mean, I you know, they say there's several reasons, the pass rush, the routes. Um, bottom line is he's the one that's accountable for the interceptions and it just hasn't been able to fit those passes in there that he needs it that he needs to. Now, you know, he's been without Janarian Gen- Grant, uh, but, you know, he's made some bad throws. And, and I just, you know, that just, what's the reason for it? He just might not be a, a top-level quarterback. You know, studies the game, plays hard. Uh, just some guys just can't fit those balls in there. And, and I think that's what you're kind of seeing with Kyle. Great kid, but 
you know, you, you saw the first few games with the interceptions and stuff like that. And, and at the quarterback, it's that great equalizer. You can take a team that's less talented. If you have a great quarterback, it kind of levels the playing field a little more. And we haven't seen that with Rutgers this year. Well, we threw that question out on the message board. So here's some of the responses that people said. We have KYK1827. He placed some blame on Bolin, saying that Geo would bring the team to three wins. And I thought that was an interesting angle. A lot of the fans have been jumping on the Bolin bandwagon, excuse me, on the Geo bandwagon, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Bill Gumper, another user on the message board, pointed the blame on the receivers, which I could see some some truth to that, especially with Janarian Grant not in. Papillon unleashed on the OL, saying that they are outmatched athletically, while also placing some blame on the schemes, which he said doesn't play to the OL's strengths. Another user named Aerosmith pointed out just to overall recruiting, stating Rutgers needs to bring in Big Ten caliber players at all positions. So really, when you looked across that thread at all the things that the Rutgers fans were pointing out, it's maybe not just one of them, maybe not be two of them, maybe a little bit of everything. Yeah, I think it's a little mix. It's not one clear-cut reason why this is happening. There's there's moving parts and, you know, certain plays, a guy will cut a route short. Certain plays, a guy will miss a block. Certain plays, a quarterback will just miss a throw. So I, I think, you know, it's a team game, and, and there's been fault at every level. So I, I don't know if, if – is Geo the answer? I don't know. Um, one thing I do know is since I started this, it seems like the backup – quarterback is always one of the most popular guys on the team for a short stint but uh i really don't know if if that would be the answer it, it just doesn't seem like uh, ash and company are going to go that way with geo i'm kind of surprised i know you're not big on the geo bandwagon but i thought before he got hurt last year he looked pretty darn good and he has those wheels he has more eligibility moving forward more time in the program why are you down on him? I'm not down on him. I just don't think he's in the plans for the staff. I just don't think it's going to happen. I think it's the Lewis and Bolin show. Um, would I put him in there? Uh, you know, he has the ability to run the football. I think anytime you have a guy that can do two things, it, it just it makes them more valuable. And I'm a fan of spreading it out and letting the quarterback run and those short passes and letting your playmakers make plays in the open field. Um, I would definitely put him in if I had the choice of him over Boland, but I just don't think the staff's going to do that. Who do you trust more throwing the ball? Uh, throwing. Good question. Cause I haven't seen Gio throw it in a while. I would like to see him get in there and air it out, but you know, Kyle Boland hasn't set the world on fire. So you ask yourself how much worse could he do? Well, we asked the fans what the X factor is this year and or even moving forward. I can't remember the exact phrasing of the question. And if you asked a week ago, everyone would have said Lewis. This week, four to one Geo. Does that surprise you? No. I mean, because, you know, Jonathan went out there and had a tough time against Ohio State, but Geo would have probably struggled just as much against that team. I mean, it's one of the top 10 teams in the country, uh, one of the best in the Big Ten. Whoever you were going to throw out there was probably going to struggle. So I don't really think that's a fair assessment. I, I do think initially Geo might be a better option, but you get Jonathan a couple more games experience, and I think his ceiling by the end of the season will be higher than Geo. I want to point out to another comment you made in the Ask the Staff thread. You said, quote, if I am Geo, no way do I stick around for next season. Still feel strongly about that? Yeah, I mean, look, he's he was, came into camp as the starting quarterback, and he's just being passed over. And, 
you know, he has one more year to play, and I'm sure he could find somewhere where he could go and, and compete for a starting job. It just seems like they're passing him over. Even last year, how long did it take them to turn to him? You know, and it took uh, him thriving on the scout team for the, the coaches to say, hey, let's give this guy a shot. I mean, after watching some of those games that preceded Geo's insertion in, into the uh, into the lineup, you know, I, I don't know why they didn't do it earlier. I, there was a gentleman named M.O.B. Freehold, and I thought he had an interesting comment. And here's his comment, quote, Why is the staff seemingly drawing the line in the sand as far as playing Bolin and Lewis? So I'll, I'll drop out of the quote for a moment. Basically saying, all we hear about is Bolin or Lewis. We don't hear about Geo. Right back into his quote now, quote, Logically, if Geo gives us the same production as Bolin, then the transition to Lewis and any package for him would be an easier one, going from Geo as opposed to switching from Bolin, end quote. I actually thought that was a pretty interesting idea. If if Lewis is your future and that style of play is your future, would and you know that this is basically a throwaway year anyway, although maybe they didn't think that going in, wouldn't it be better to have the entire offense geared towards Geo and Lewis, considering they offer a similar s- skill set? It seems logical. Um, I think that the staff likes – Bolin's ability to throw the football better than Geo's. Um, that's the only logical argument I can make. It's not one that, that I'm standing behind, but I, I think that's the way it is. And it just seems like they're, they're set on those two guys. But it makes perfect sense. Why why not transition a running quarterback to another running quarterback? Uh, why not give him a shot? Well, Bobby, we're going to end it right here. I want to thank you so much for coming on. I want to thank all the fans who have offered insight into today's program. Everybody who's on our message board, we really appreciate all you being part of scarletnation.com and we look forward for you to you being part of it for many more years to come. So from all of us over here at Scarlet Nation, thank you so much and we will see you at the next game.